today is uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And as I was reading and as I was writing this week, uh, what I thought was going to be just one sermon is turning into three sermons. I promise I'm not doing all of them today, but I'd like to do a series on this idea of not giving up. Uh, today is don't give up on God. So if, if you're turning with me, reading with me, uh, I'm in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed Him. May the Lord bless the reading of this living Word. And may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to You, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. What if we're all burnt out. This is the title of an article that ran last week by David Odom, the executive director of Duke Divinity School's Leadership Education. It's no surprise to me that he asked this question. There have been a lot of ministers in the last two years of COVID and conflict who have not only left their churches, but have completely walked away from ministry. They felt way too stretched way too thin and crushed by the weight of responsibility and expectations, way too heavy to carry any longer. And they've had to quit to prioritize their mental and physical and spiritual health and the health of their families. Barna has found that 38% of senior pastors thought about resigning in 2021. For the record, I have not been one of them. By the grace of God and by your support, I have been sustained in this work and this calling among you, but it has been hard, and I am tired. But when I talk about burnout, I know that I'm just preaching to the choir. As I look at your faces on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings and even right now, I see that you are just as exhausted and stressed and anxious and stretched and burdened too. We are all in the same boat with Simon Peter. 
he had just gotten off of a 12-hour shift. I don't know if any of you have worked nights, but the summer that I did that when I was 18 years old was the first time I think I really knew what tired was. But Peter not only felt exhausted, he felt defeated. As Pastor Jennifer already talked about, that he and his buddies had been fishing all night long and had not caught a thing. He wondered whether all this hard work was in vain. Have you ever wondered about that? But somehow, Peter went back to the oars and willed his tired arms and shoulders and back to pull the boat out from the shore. He rubbed his eyes to stay awake so that he could hear what the rabbi had to say. But Jesus' next request seemed like a little too much. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. What did this preacher think he was doing telling a seasoned fisherman how to fish? Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. To Simon's credit, he did what Jesus said to do even though he was tired and even though his efforts to do the same thing had failed. But this time, the nets filled with so many fish that it threatened to sink his boat. As I've been reading this story this week and thinking about my life and thinking about you, I have heard from Jesus over and over this message. Don't give up. In the article I mentioned earlier, David Odom quotes another article by Researchers Yusu Hang and Kira Shabram from the Harvard Business Review, they have done all of this research on burnout in the business world, and they have determined that there are three different kinds of burnout and three practice, several different practices to address each kind. This morning, we're going to talk about the first one, and the next two Sundays, we're going to talk about the other kinds of burnout that we face. Hing and Shabram say that sometimes we are burnt out because we are simply exhausted, because our mental and physical resources are depleted. From time to time, we all have to push the limits to meet the demands of a certain time of year, like finals or tax season, or a certain season like the early years of our children's lives where we're trying to get established in our careers and trying to care for babies in all hours of the day and the night. Or in the prime of our careers when we're taxiing teenagers and filling out college applications. Or in those later years when our spouse gets sick and we become the primary caregiver and the head of the household. There are all these seasons of overwork and overworry that are inevitable for all of us. But if you manage a manufacturing plant or run your own small business like Peter, it's not just a season. It's all the time. You have to work all the time just to stay afloat. If Simon's nets are empty, his guys don't get paid. And he might lose his boat and there might not be fish on his own family table. And so he has to work and work and work until those nets are full. Some of you know what that pressure feels like. Many of you are educators, and even in the best of times, we know that you work far longer and harder than your hours standing in front of students. Lesson planning and grading and opening your classroom during your only free hour in the day to talk to those teenagers that just need to be with somebody at lunch. 
And of course, we know that this season of virtual schooling and extra requirements from the state and school system are only adding more and more work and more and more stress. The exodus of teachers is even worse than the exodus of pastors. And we know the same thing is happening in all of the caring professions, especially healthcare. And even if you're not working, in these pandemic days, it can feel exhausting just to watch the news, just to put your mask on and go to the grocery store or the doctor's office, just to try to support and care for your children and grandchildren or neighbors as much as you can from a distance. We are all tired, mind, body, and soul. And so we, when we walk into these doors or log on from home, to me it feels like we're gasping to take a big deep breath of fresh air. It feels like we're ready to throw off our burdens and to find rest for our souls, even if it's just for a couple minutes. I think that's maybe why Simon stayed in the boat to hear Jesus' words when all he really wanted to do was collapse into bed. Because all of this overwork and this overworry is dehumanizing. And we desperately seek to find our God-given wholeness again. All the way back in the beginning, Genesis 1 says that we were created in God's image and likeness and called good before we ever did any work to earn our goodness or our worthiness in the eyes of God. That means that our value to God has nothing to do with our productivity. We are human beings not human doings. Really think about that for a moment. That's such the opposite of so many spoken and unspoken messages we got from our parents and our culture, and sadly, even from our church. We have been taught that who we are is what we do, and that who we are is in our constant doing. That's why it's so hard to lose a job or choose to put a career on pause to stay home with the children or retire. But our worthiness in the eyes of God came first and comes first. The second thing that you see if you go all the way back to the creation story is that we weren't created to try to live or work on our own. We were created to be dependent on God. In Genesis 2, there's this great symbol. We are reminded that we are made in God's image and likeness, but also that we were made when God's breath blew into dust. In a few weeks on Ash Wednesday, we will tell all of you, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return as we smudge ashes on your head. And that is meant to be a blessing and not a curse. Because seeing and accepting our limits is the only way that the limitless God can truly be known in our lives. Our burnout comes when we refuse to accept our limits. We refuse to accept that God is God and that we are not. When we forget that without God's breath to animate the dust of our lives, that we are just dust. Jesus uses a whole different analogy. He says that God is like a vine and we are like branches. And if we are not connected to the life of God, that we stop producing fruit and eventually that we wither and we die. As I said earlier, if we want to keep our jobs and keep food on our tables, we may have no choice but to overwork. 
And in this way, our economic system and our culture and many of our employers have refused to accept our human limits. They see our value in what we produce and nothing more. Maybe that's why so many people during this pandemic have changed jobs or careers. And if you are able, maybe it's time to make a change, to do something with your life that allows your humanity to be honored and your limits to be accepted. But the hard truth is that we do it to ourselves too. There's a lot of work that we take on that we don't have to take on. Work that's not ours to do. Work that isn't essential. Work that could really be left for tomorrow or the weekend or next week. Work that we do because we can't let go and because we want to be in control. Work we do because we don't know who we are if we aren't doing or accomplishing. And maybe we need to stop bragging about that to our friends or complaining in a way that's really a brag about how many things we have to do and how tired we are. Look at how important I am because of all those things that I've done. We're all guilty of it. We've become what Parker Palmer calls functional atheists, believing that ultimate responsibility for everything rests on us. This is the unconscious, unexamined conviction that if anything decent is going to happen here, we are the ones that have to make it happen. A conviction that is held by even people who talk a good game about God. Ouch. When we work too hard because we believe it's all up to us, it is really just another way of giving up on the God who gives us our value outside of work and who is at work in us and all around us. We were never meant to carry this burden of defining ourselves by our work or believing that our work makes the world go round. But whether our burnout is a result of circumstances outside of our control or a result of our own doing, those researchers from Harvard, Hang and Shabram, say that as individuals, we have to take it upon ourselves to act. That we have to be intentional if we're going to heal. That that part of it is on us. They say that the only way to get out of burnout is to engage in self-care. And that word's become a buzzword in our culture. And so I would say it this way. We have to care for ourselves enough to create space for God to care for us. We need to listen to our bodies. After his long night of fishing, Simon's body is screaming, go to sleep. And that is the most practical thing any of us can do to let God care for us. Bruce Wilson did a parent lab last week on brain development. And he said that he, we need seven to eight hours of sleep every night just for our brains to process everything that's happened in this day. And just for and it does that through our dreams sometimes. It discards the things we need to throw away and keeps the things that we need to hold on to. More than that, if you don't sleep well, your body isn't metabolizing well and you're not getting enough energy. You can't maintain a healthy weight. And your alertness suffers. Uh, some studies show that if you've been up for 17 hours without sleep, it's about like blowing a .05 on a breathalyzer. You're legally drunk. And if you don't sleep well enough, you're not going to, you're going to be irritable and you're going to lack self-control and your ability to be a good parent and a good friend and a good spouse will suffer. 
So as Bruce said last week, you are foolish if you're walking around bragging that you can function on four to six hours. Even God rested on the seventh day. Start with sleep. Seriously, it sounds so simple. But good sleep yields physical, not just physical, but mental and relational and spiritual benefits. It's the miracle of how God created our bodies and our brains to repair themselves. As Eugene Peterson says, when we sleep, God does in us the things that we would resist God doing while we are awake. But of course, we need more than physical rest. We need rest for our souls. And I think that's why Peter stays in the boat even though he is so tired and just wants to collapse into bed. Where do you find rest for your soul? What do you do that helps you to remember that God is good and that you are good and that life is good? What do you do that brings you peace? What allows you to express your creativity? What do you do to play? What is it that really gives you rest, really renews you? Whatever it is, you have to make time for it. You have to. Whenever I start hearing myself saying, I don't have time for that, it's probably an indication that I, that I need to do it. And it's not selfish. It's selfless, in fact, because you can only truly be selfless. You can only truly be the disciple I talked about last week in giving your service to others when you have something to give yourself. When you can do it from the heart and not out of obligation. When you can do it from some rich stores that you have built up. I know some of you are saying, I don't have time. But you do. Turn off the news. There's only so much of that that you really need to, to listen to or watch or read to know what's going on in the world. You do have time. Turn off your phone. That scrolling on Facebook or Instagram is not making you any happier. It's probably making you more tired and more angry and more anxious and more afraid. I know that I'm really tired when I find myself mindlessly scrolling. You do have time. Do something life-giving during your lunch break. You don't need long. Read a short scripture. Say a short prayer. Just breathe into the silence. Someone was reminding me the other day of, of Bruce talking about that breath, Yahweh, Yahweh, the name of God that sounds like breath. Think about that. If it's all the time you have, turn off the music or the news in your car and just be silent while you're driving around. Use that time. All of these little moments or declarations that you believe that God is real and active and powerful in your life. All of these moments are a little, of you, are you opening up to God saying, it's not all about you. Let me take care of you. I am the worst of all sinners when it comes to this, as Paul would say. I'm a workaholic. I'm a functional atheist. I usually don't believe that anything good can happen unless our hands are in it, and I'm doing it. I give up on God every single day. And Psalm 127 is one I have to return to again and again. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guards keep watch in vain. 
It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives sleep to his beloved. Unless the Lord is in our work, unless the Lord is at work in our lives, it is all in vain. So you can stop rising early and going to bed late. You can stop eating the bread of anxious toil. The Lord is building something in you and through you and all around you, even if you can't see it. The Lord is watching over you. God loves you and that is enough so you can go to sleep. You can take a break. You can be still. Don't give up on God. For just like Simon Peter, God has more in store for you than the daily grind you were in if you would only just sit at His feet and listen. May it be so for all of us. Amen.